Hey, won't it? <laughs> the devil always reminds us, doesn't he, of our past, and he's good at it, but one day that won't be available for him, will it? Amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 14, and I'll be there in just a little bit. Last week, we talked about uh, why, uh, what that perfect is, and we were showing last week about uh, speaking in tongues, and by the way, let me, before I even start, uh, my Wednesday night class begins again this Wednesday night, we're in Genesis chapter 6 through 9, so let me come and invite you to come be with us, we're looking forward to it. Last week, we learned that tongues were known foreign languages. You ever get up here now you have to sneeze and that's something? God would give this gift of speaking in a foreign language without ever having to study that language. That was the gift. Or there were at times when the apostles, they actually would speak in their own language and then God supernaturally translated into the ears of the hearers in their foreign own language. And God did that on a number of occasions. Acts chapter 2, and I'll be with you in just a second. Acts chapter 2, verse 4 and following says this here. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. You see that? There was a supernatural involvement, intervention with God giving them the gift to speak in languages or at times as here even to preach but then translate it to the ears that the people heard in their own languages. They were not jibber-jabberish. They were languages, okay? That's so important. We've learned that the perfect in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 8 through 10 was the completion of scriptures. That's the perfect. Remember, it's not referring to a person, but an inanimate object. And there's only one object that's perfect, and that's the Word of God. And so when it was completed, there was no need for signs or revelatory gifts. When it was completed, Timothy, 2 Timothy, when Paul wrote that, at that time, the other Hebrews of Revelation was already written before Paul ended 2 Timothy. And 2 Timothy, when he completed the word, tongues ceased at that moment. Then somebody says, that, well, what about 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 39? Wherefore, brethren, covet the prophesy, and forbid not to speak with tongues. You see, if you understand the context here, Paul is not telling them to abandon tongues, now get this, at that time, but rather not to abuse them. They were not for self-glorification, self-advantage, or some emotional high. 
they were going around saying, listen, uh, speaking in these languages is a sign of your salvation. And you've heard that today on TV preachers, a number of them, said if you haven't spoken in tongues, you're not saved. Or they would say, speaking in tongues means that you're spirit-filled and you are spiritual if you do that. But note this, 1 Corinthians 14, 3 and following. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation, exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that y'all speak with tongues, languages, but rather that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. It doesn't do any good for somebody to speak in tongues if there's no understanding. Paul said, I'd rather speak five words of understanding than speak in tongues. They need to be understood, right? But speaking in tongues was secondary to prophesying or God giving some word, somebody the word of truth and then them sharing that truth with the people. Prophecy edified, it built up, it encouraged one's faith. But again, why did Paul say, forbid not to speak in tongues? Well, remember this. The spiritual sign gifts were still operating at that time. At the time of the early church's history. In 1 Corinthians here, the perfect, the word of God, had not been completed yet. And since it hadn't been completed yet, that meant sign gifts were used temporarily until that which is perfect is come. You know, how did we know you're of the Lord? And they would perform a miracle that would confirm their spoken word. Even Mark 16, 17 says this, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. And when they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming what? The word with signs following. That gave them credibility because the perfect, the completion of Scripture had not taken place as of yet. Amen? But even during the time of these sign gifts, healings, tongues, prophecies, word of knowledge, even during those times, Paul put regulations on the use of tongues. Paul limits their use to help correct the Corinthian misuse of them. They were actually even making up words to try to say they were spiritual. We have it, you don't. <laughs> Here's some limitations. To be biblical, even when it was permitted before the word of God was completed. One, tongues were not the filling nor baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's not what tongues is. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit, all, now get this, are we all baptized into one body? 
Spirit baptism is when the Spirit of God takes you out of your spiritual position of being an Adam in sin on your way to hell to being placed into Christ, into new life and eternal life with Him. That is spirit baptism. Amen? Tongues, secondly, were the least of the gifts. The least. Today it's like it's the most important thing with people. It states in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, the gift of health, healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Notice where tongues were in that list. They were last. I would that you all spake tongues, but rather that you prophesy. And we just read that verse just a minute ago. Verse 19 then, fellas, if you wouldn't mind. Yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Jesus says the gospel is true. That says more than any tongues could ever do. Three, tongues were never intended for all. 1 Corinthians 12, 29 following, are all apostles? What do you say? No. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? What? No. Do all interpret? No. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And then he says in verse 11, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, now get this, dividing to every man severally as he wills. It's not for everybody. When it was permitted, it was for those who God wanted to use at that moment for a testimony at that moment. Okay? It's not for everybody. Four tongues were to be under order to have structure. It's not some of this wild stuff going on. 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not the author of confusion, and it's in the context of tongues, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. Let all things be done decently and in order. And as we learned last week, five tongues were used as a judicial sign to unbelieving Jews. Now get that. 1 Corinthians 14, 21 says this here. In the law it is written with men of other tongues, of other lips will I speak unto Israel, this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord. Notice verse 2. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Isn't that interesting? And by the way, back then, they were given the signs of these apostles speaking in different languages that they were under the judicial judgment of God. And it came about in A.D. 70, did it not? And Jerusalem was sacked in A.D. 70. 
And by the way, you can't find one place in the Bible where tongues were spoken, Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19. You can't find one that there was not a Jew present. Hello? A Jew was always present. Number six, tongues were to have an interpreter present or you don't speak it. States in 1 Corinthians 14, 9, following. So likewise, ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall, shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a, to a, a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian to me. Then he goes on, I would that you all spake with tongues, but rather that you prophesy. And then verse 13. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may, what? Interpret. Why? For understanding. <laughs> That's for these other people who didn't speak those languages could understand. You need an interpreter. Just like when I went down to South America, when I went to Russia, there was an interpreter. Why was there an interpreter even at this time? Was so people could understand what I was saying. Likewise, Paul's saying, listen, you don't speak in languages unless there's interpreters so the people in the church can understand what you're saying to them. Hmm? Number seven, tongues were limited now get this, to three in a service. Three in a service when it was permitted. 1 Corinthians 14, 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, unknown language, gift, let it be by two or at the most by three, and that by course, one at a time, and let one interpret. If somebody back then would speak in a different language, then there had to be an interpreter there to make it understandable to the people. One at a time and no more than three in a service. What do you see today? Huh? You've even seen some of the, uh, they call them the great TV preachers. You even see them and they'll go off on a tangent, you know, you know, whatever they want to do. No interpretation whatsoever. And that's against the scriptures. Amen? I know I don't talk in tongues very good, except English. Number eight, tongues were limited to men only. Uh-oh. That closes down the movement today. 1 Corinthians 14, 34. Let your women keep silence in the churches. And listen, it's in the context of tongues and gifts. Silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Hello? Man is quiet. 
It's wrong for women to take spiritual leadership role over men in telling them what the scriptures are teaching, what they are to believe, and what they are to do. That is unscriptural. There's no such thing as a woman pastor. Now, I just made some of you mad. But there's a reason for it. That's for your protection. But there is a reason for it. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and following says this here. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man. But to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. And because she led that, that's why God says man has to be the leader at all times. I'm sorry. You got an argument you fight with? You're supposed to say it correctly. God. <laughs> Amen. But tongues are not for today. Because the completed, perfect word called the Bible is on the scene. Amen. We don't need healings. We don't need word of knowledge. We have complete truth in the word of God. Now, I use a lot of verses there. I just make some comments as I close here. Saying tongues are for today is anti-dispensational, right off the bat. And it does trying to get this false gift today, it causes harm. Somebody said, what harm does it cause? Well, number one, most glorify and talk about the Holy Spirit as much or even more than Christ. And that's not the purpose of the Spirit. The purpose of the Spirit is not to testify of himself, but to point people to Christ. That's John 15, 26, by the way. Secondly, they give a second experience as a necessity to be complete. In other words, when you got saved, you didn't get enough of the Holy Spirit. He didn't do enough for you. He has to do more for you. That's what they're saying. Have you ever stepped back and asked yourself, what has the Holy Spirit done in my life? <laughs> he drew me. He revealed Christ to me. He helped me with faith. He saved me. He, what, transformed me. He made me come from death to life, sealed me in the person of Christ. He's inside of me. He goes with me each and every day. Listen, the Spirit of God, he's done pretty, quite a bit. I don't need a second experience. I just need to allow him to live in me. The Bible said we are complete in Christ. You don't need anything else. Three, they create two levels of believers. They look down at others as being sort of inferior because they've not spoken in tongues. And thus it becomes the haves and the have-nots. And I've seen that on many occasions. And then four... They cause division being unscriptural. 
They're opposite of the true spirit's work. Love, joy, peace, kindness, on and on it goes. That's what that's about. And as a result, they create division. When I was over here at First Southern many years ago as a young man, gotten saved, became a youth leader over there just on my own, uh, Carol and I with two other couples, and we saw a lot of kids get saved. It was wonderful. And, uh, but they began to have trouble, and I didn't know what was going on. And I told the kids, we had a training hour before the evening service, and I told the kids uh, for Sunday evening, we're going to look at uh, speaking in tongues tonight. And I had one of the leaders, uh, the bus captain, come up and say to me, how, what, how are you going to stand on that? What are you, you going to teach? I said, well, I'm going to teach they ceased. He said, oh, I wouldn't do that. And he was one of the ones who had created the division in the church, and they had a big split there. And the reason the pastor could not stand against tongues was him and his wife supposedly did that when they were in seminary. It just blew the church. It creates division. Number five, they become more important than the church itself. Let me just remind you something about the church. We might have our faults, but it is the pillar and ground of truth. Amen? Number six, it promotes a shortcut to spiritual maturity. It's a shortcut. Oh, I got it. I have it. I've had people say that. I've had my experience with it or whatever it might be. Let me just say, there are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. (laughs) I'll get it out in a minute. There are no shortcuts. It's as you study the word of God, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. They searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. No shortcuts. You study the word, you try to live it out, you have trials, you have tribulations, you have all kinds of sufferings as you go through this life. Life is not fair, but as you stand on the word of God and you keep trusting God, your faith keeps building, it keeps building, and it keeps building. It's a process. No shortcuts. You have to go through your deal for your journey. But the good thing is God will be with you if you'll lean on him. Amen? And then it causes a spirit of emerging with others who say they speak in tongues. And it causes these many denominations, non-denominations, and many faiths to come together, which is unbiblical, by the way. It sounded like the Tower of Babel. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. What does light have to do with darkness? What does truth have to do with untruth? You have to separate from that. And then they seek an emotional experience to validate their Christian faith. God, the Word's not enough for them. They want something more. They, they want 
sight over faith, feelings over the word. And this results in experienced feelings to become the authority. And then when you try to say something to them from the word of God, it's like, don't confuse me with the facts. I've got a feeling. <laughs> Amen? And my last point, they have produced wrong, extra-biblical, so-called new revelations. Speaking in tongues, they're saying that the word of God God is still speaking to man. And if God is still speaking to man, what if it's God speaking to them, then that, that means it's equal with the authority of the Scriptures because God wouldn't go against his Scriptures. Amen? Let me answer that. The word, the Bible, God's speaking to us has been completed for now. The perfect has come. In the word of God, we have everything, 2 Peter 1, 3, that pertains unto life and godliness. Anything you want to do, know about your faith and living with God, you find it in the word of God. Amen? And then if we see the word as less than the final authority of our faith and practice, we open the door to wrong belief. Wrong doctrine, and that leads to chaos. Anybody who claims to be speaking God's revelations, what they are doing, they're inviting leaven, untruth, into the whole that will help corrupt the truth. That's where we have to be very, very careful. Uh, that. Uh, how many of you ever listened to the Bible Answer Man years ago, right? Hank Hanegraaff? He, he's gone off, way off now, and left the faith in many ways, gone to the Greek Orthodox, almost Catholic uh, church now. And his beliefs, you let a little get in, it takes you a long way. I've had people say, well, God said, God told me. Yes, God, I'll, dec I'll say it. <laughs> Let me say, you're hearing things. <laughs> Forgive me. I'm not trying to belittle or shame anybody. I'm just saying God doesn't speak audibly anymore. God doesn't speak to us that way anymore. God speaks to us through his word. Amen? Amen? Through the word of God. If I want to know what God is saying, boom. I get in the book. Amen? In conclusion, and everybody said? <sighs> if it were true, we'd be at the mercy of people's feelings, opinions, false unscriptural thinking, and then we'd have no final, no absolute truth to hold on to. The Word of God is the final, absolute truth for our life. It'll take us all the way to glory. Amen? What do we do, though, when we see all these people on TV? They're just seeking tongues, just seeking it. Why do they do that? I'll tell you why. It's not nice. 
the lack of doctrine, the lack of dispensational knowledge of the Bible, little study and application of the Word of God. And as a result of that, that leaves a vacuum in them. When they leave the Word, that leaves a vacuum in them, and they try to fill that vacuum, that hole, with experiences. Uh, and they leave the Word of God. Interesting, this past week, we received a letter. And this lady gives a great shout-out to Les Felick, and then she said something about our ministry, and I thought it was good. Here's what she said, and I'll close with this. Dear Pastor Devaney, I want to thank you so much for the Sunday School and Church Service, July 31st, on 1 Corinthians. I have been in a Pentecostal movement for many years and came out of it about four years ago. I've been a part of that. I had listened and listened to Les Felix, and one day the Lord opened my eyes. I was blown away. Praise God. My husband said, I wasn't ready at that time for me. All my friends are in the charismatic running to this project or this prophet. I try to tell them about Paul. They look at me like a deer in headlights. <laughs> My son just became a minister and also had listened to Les, but because he wanted so bad to be a minister, the carrot dangled in front of him. He totally did a flip-flop back to the law. Now he thinks we are crazy and cut us off from our children unless we see count, seek counsel of his choosing. Many of my friends are going through the same. It's crazy. We haven't been to church in several years. Now get this. Soon, as we would mention Paul, we were made to leave. So we choose to have church TV. We listen every Sunday to both services. Yesterday, I was having a meltdown of confusion. And lo and behold, you answered and clarified my understanding. Please continue. We appreciate you all so much and the angelic choir. I thought that was some <laughs> angelic choir. <laughs> she must be hallucinating. I just... <laughs> I'm kidding. Angelic Choir. We live in St. Pete, Florida, and any church says rightly divided still mixes the baptism and tithes and so on. God bless y'all. I hope you feel our tears of joy. That's what people go through. So we give a big shout-out to this family in St. Pete, Florida. And also, this next week, we have some folks coming from Tennessee. They want to have a meal with me and Carol, and want to ask, he wants to ask a lot of questions about rightly dividing. So we meet next Saturday, if you pray for us. And then it was great today to have Squeegee's sister in the service with us this morning, and brother Archie. They're from Montana. 
Montana, yeah. And uh, they come to be with them today. Amen. And uh, they've written, and uh, he sent me a really a special gift, an ammo box one day. He has a hunting store or whatever to keep all my ammo. <laughs> you said, preacher, that's kind of radical, isn't it? It's great, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, thank God for these folks and uh, watch us every now and then live stream, I believe. And so good to have them. It's wonderful. Uh, there are a lot of people uh, around that sometimes if you come to a church and we are try our best, we're still learning, rightly dividing, uh, out there there's not very many places to go to. Uh, and y you saw her own son and grandkids, now it's a threat. And there's a cost for standing up for truth. But if you'll stand, God will bless you. My whole point was that tongues were legitimate. They, for, they were for a period of time to confirm the spoken word of God until the word of God was completed. And Paul completed that word in 2 Timothy in a prison, suffering for the gospel of grace. And how can we do any less in the sense of not standing up for Christ? Let's stand up for him and not be ashamed. Amen. We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.